Rough Trade are giving away a free album exclusively to 101 part-time jobs listeners. That's you. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade album of the month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with exclusive bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code 101POD this March and you'll get the Rough Trade Album of the Month exclusive pressing of Masterpiece's debut, How to Make a Masterpiece, on green and yellow swell vinyl, completely free of charge. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in-store, and exclusive access to sold-out Rough Trade events. Don't want Album of the Month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using 101POD and you'll still get the first month free. So don't hang around. This offer is only available in March and limited to the first 150 signups. Go to roughtrade.com club and sign up with the voucher code 101POD. That's 101POD and claim your first month free. This offer is available to UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads. And artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Five, four, three. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bitter, and I've got Ty Vaughan on the line here from Broadway Cools, who've just released their new album, Sad in the City, out now on Red Scare Industries. And I've got to say, it's their best record. You need to go check it out if you haven't. It's incredible. I love it. Mine and Ty's bands toured together a couple of years ago, just before they took their six-year break. And I wanted to catch up with him and see what he got up to over that time. And he's got some stories. There's a lot of stuff that I didn't know about him. It opened up a narrative about Broadway Cools that I didn't know about in some cases they're quite emotional and personal stories i'm glad we did it i'm glad i got to i feel like i know ty a lot better now actually and i'm glad that i can share that 
Sad in the City is out now. It's their best one. I've already said that. East London's signature brew have been brewing music-inspired beers and supporting live music since 2011. You may know them from their collaboration beers, brewed with the likes of Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, Mogwai, Enter Shikari, and loads more. And as a coveted listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off all their beers by visiting their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, making an order, and then using the code 101podcast. That's all capital letters at checkout. So do that and enjoy. All right, this is Ty Vaughan from Broadway Calls, giving us some good stories. Cheers for listening. You got a new email address, Broadway Calls MW. But I shouldn't, shouldn't say. Well, you know, whatever. We uh, we needed a fresh start, so we got a new one. Right. And speaking of fresh starts, it's it feels like a fresh start for you. You know, with Red Scare and the new record, like even the sound of it sounds fresh. Yeah. Thank you. I uh, for real. We. I mean, we took time off. Honestly, it did kind of feel like we were just starting a new band sometimes, but. Um, just because of the time away, but it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it's always been Josh and Adam and I for, <laughs> since we were like teenagers with some small breaks, you know, but we've been writing together forever. So, and that's why I thought like, well, that's why you are such a great guest for this is because, I mean, obviously it's about part-time jobs and all that shit, but it, I kind of use that as an excuse to talk to people about, I suppose the reality, do you know what I mean? The, the offstage stuff. And you're a great band for that because I hope I'm, I hope this isn't rude saying this, but you know, it felt like with the first record, you, you went through the system a bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, a huge learning experience for sure. Um, I think what you're referring to is just like the whole music industry, that system. Mm. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Like toured with Cobra Starship and Alkaline Trio and there was that pop punk bump. Yeah, for sure. Um, we yeah before that we had just mostly been playing like hardcore shows on the west coast of the united states um and then and then we we got really lucky where adeline's uh, got involved and we got you know things we had never had before like a booking agent and resources like that kind of stuff so we experienced that that was wild i mean um it was it was hard because before that we had only toured with friends and then it really started to feel like a job and you realize all the, the, the job like things that went along with uh, touring and playing music. Yeah. When great cynics had, like, we had an agent, uh, like a well-known agent for a hot minute and it was great. It got us onto like Reading festival. Um, you must know about Reading and Leeds festivals, right? Yeah. That same, that happened for us one year too. And it was really, we got, I mean, Dude, I'm not like complaining about those experiences because that was wild. Um, it's just different. And 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 I think, you know, I felt like I was pretty clued up at the time in the sense that like, you know, I felt like I'd made some mistakes at that point and I was trying to trying to be band smart. And then it, it just fucking caught me by surprise. We got an agent and I thought, oh, that's it. I don't have to care about shows anymore. Whereas the reality was... Of course you got to care about that stuff. Of course you got to be hands on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um sometimes we we found out though that <laughs> because of where we came from where it was pretty much a DIY world like our hands-on approach that we want when we wanted to be hands-on that wasn't really welcome in some you know in some circumstances. So there's these weird walls that get put up, you know, especially when you're 
you know, your band isn't getting any bigger. You just have different representation. And so like you still want to play some of the same venues or when it, whenever you go to a specific city, you want to play with the same promoters you've been working with. And, uh, and now they're like, now you'd be like, oh, yeah, we, well, you got to talk to this third party, you know, and uh, <laughs> you can't talk to us anymore directly. It's just a strange it's a strange way to do it. It's interesting you say, you know, your band's not actually getting bigger. You're just getting a team around you. And yeah. that doesn't, you know, by any means mean that you're bigger. But sometimes it feels that. Yeah, yeah. It will. It, it feels like uh, when it doesn't happen, you're like, well, why isn't it happening? Because <laughs> we have all the we have all this, you know, the ple- the the pieces in place. Like, what the hell's going on? Um, yeah, there's, it's just like a huge, weird. Um, you know, it's when you have a team of people working for you, and it, it's hard to communicate. You know, some people think they know what's best for the band. Some people, uh, you know, don't want to hear what the band has to say in in certain places we got lucky uh where we never had to really battle for anything you know when we had when we you know deal with the fest for example like we go to you know the fest in florida like we've always been able to just talk to tony and 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 do that no matter who was on our our deal you know at the time but um but yeah, you know, you hear the horror stories about <laughs> how bands can't even communicate with the the ones they need to anymore. And it really has an impact on a record cycle. It's like the classic stereotypical thing to happen at this point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like against me um, and like obviously a long time, well, quite a few decades, a couple of decades before that, like replacements. And like I read Trouble Boys not too long ago. And that was so interesting hearing about hearing Paul Westerberg and Tommy Stinson being like kind of unprofessional. <laughs> uh, but obviously it was a completely time, different time back then. Are you a good, are you a big Matt's fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we were um, lucky enough to see them when they came through, I guess it was just a couple of years ago um, when they played Portland and that was awesome. It was incredible. I mean, they, I heard that the Seattle show was totally different the night before i heard that uh that paul never came out of a tent that was set up on stage like a pup tent <laughs> he had set up on stage <laughs> and he just never came out of that uh but the portland show they were they like were rocking it was awesome so around that time like going back to the adeline thing and and playing like hardcore shows i i could only presume you know you were pretty uh you and your friends are pretty similar in the way you just kind of be working hustles and then playing gigs when you can like we jam a Kono style for sure yeah i mean i've always worked like in the service industry you know like pizza mostly is my is my game um and i always just found jobs that let us go on tour josh is josh and adam are both like entrepreneurs they have always been their own bosses which has been really cool for band schedule type things, you know, like Josh owns a screen printing shop and Adam owns a small construction company where he just like builds, you know, anything you need for anybody. So uh, it's, it's great. We have all these cool resources for, you know, the band with Josh being a screen printer. We've never had to go into crazy debt to a merch company or anything like that. It's so easy to get into debt playing in bands. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do anyway, I can't imagine if, 
you know, we didn't print if Josh didn't print all, all of our merch and uh, yeah, it's tough, dude. Like it's, that's pretty much, I don't know if I ever told you that that's kind of like why Broadway calls started in the first place is because we were already in debt with our previous hardcore band <laughs> and we had a, um, we had a van that we had bought. It was like a year old van. It was way out of our price range, but we thought we were going to be touring constantly. And so we needed this van and then we did one full U S tour and the, <laughs> the band was kind of falling apart. So Josh and I didn't really want to uh, stop touring and playing music. So we started Broadway calls and, uh, booked a west coast tour so we could keep making van payments <laughs> excellent what yeah. was that hardcore band i've forgotten uh, it's called countdown to life right and you were you were you were doing stuff right i mean you were you were touring quite hard we were on the west coast of the u.s yeah we did that quite a bit we did that the whole west coast loop which is like you start in the northwest where we're from and you head down california out through arizona and up through you know utah colorado and home and then, um, you know, we'd do that a lot. And we did one full U.S. tour with a band called Where Eagles Dare from Arizona. And that it was just a cold, miserable November, early December tour. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't. And at, by the end of that, we just knew financially there's no way we could keep doing what we were doing. You know, well, in Countdown for Life to Life, were you meeting people that you'd later like rekindle or like keep your friendships with in Broadway calls and, and work with. Absolutely. Yeah. We, when that was all we knew were like West coast hardcore bands when we started Broadway calls. So that's who we toured with. We went out with this band Daggermouth from Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They, that was our first tour. It was with them. We kind of did the Western U S that's perfect for you. That's perfect for the sound of Broadway calls. And, and that time it was, it was awesome. And we didn't know, we didn't really know what to expect, um, you know, and we were usually the only band that sounded like that on these shows that would sometimes have like seven or eight bands. It would be like all like a little hardcore fest, you know, especially in California. And uh, and it went over really well and it was awesome. And then like later that summer, we would we did the full U.S. with a Redding, California band called Set It Straight. Uh, they're like a straight edge hardcore band pretty big on the west coast at that time and uh and that was like a two-month tour we just went all over the u.s and ended back home in california and then we pretty much went right into the studio and made recorded our first record that september it sounds so tight that record and of course it goes without saying that production magic can happen from bedrooms now but what was it 2006 2007 yeah that record for me was so instant, man. I listened to that record every day for a long fucking time. It sounds tight, that record, you know? Thank you. Yeah, we were we were definitely, uh, you know, we had just been playing every day for, <laughs> for several months. So uh, that was a, that, I remember that one's like got a little stressful in the writing phase towards the end because I feel like we were just touring constantly and hadn't really got together to whip up a lot of new songs and then it all came together really fast. You know, that sort of tail end of the record kind of goes like rock, goes like alt rock. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we joke about quite often when we talk about that record is like, I think it has like 14 songs or something. And we just 
we put everything we had on that record, including a cover. Like we didn't edit ourselves at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> we were just, we were like, we maybe looking back on it, we probably, you know, may have approached it differently. I don't know. We just wanted to put every, every song we'd written on a record. And that's, that's what we did. Well, I think sometimes you can hear that fearlessness in bands. Yeah. 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 That's cool. That's cool that you that you get that impression because a lot of people, especially I feel like, you know, it's a lot to ask people to listen to a whole record nowadays. The landscape is so different now to them, you know, what it was for your last record and then the one before that. And, you know, throughout your whole career, I feel like the landscapes kind of changed pretty fucking rapidly. Definitely. Yeah. And, and you know, the fact that we took some time away, a lot of time away, a lot has changed in since our last record, which was in 2013. And, yeah. uh, you know, when we were approaching this record, we had talked about breaking it up into a couple of EPs because we didn't know if that was the better way, if that was how people wanted to listen to music nowadays. You know, we thought maybe, hey, people just want things in like shorter bursts instead of a full record, um, you know. And people do that, like Haley Williams done it and she did it pretty well. I thought. Yeah, it works for a lot of people to just put out singles, you know. Right. And there was a lot of discussions with Red Scare and just with us amongst in the band. And we, once we recorded the album, we knew that it was, it it should all belong together. You know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a good move to break it up. We were very, you know, it's, it doesn't make any sense to put a record out really when you can't go play shows and promote it. But lyrically, this record is um, it's pretty dark. And when I I think I approached Toby at Red Scare like in late April about maybe changing the date of the release. Yeah. And he was like, no, dude, like the lyrics on this record are too relevant to what's going on. Like if if we don't put this out right now, like um it, it, you, you got to put it out right now, basically, is what he was yeah. saying. You know, that was his opinion. And I I think that, uh, you know, obviously we agreed in the end. And I'm glad it's coming out this Friday, even though we can't put it out in a traditional traditional sense, you know. I think people who buy Red Scare Records trust Toby, trust the label, him and Brendan. Dude, I get that too. Absolutely. Like he, there is a, a, a special like vibe around that label um <clears throat> and we're really lucky to be part of it now like i mean hopefully we've been welcomed in <laughs> amongst yeah. the, the red scare fans but like dude like they're a great uh a great organization there for sure i went through so many ups and downs with with great cynics you know the mm-hmm. goods were good the, the bads were like fucking awful you know yeah. um and i wonder if i wonder if that's happened to you over the years Oh, dude, absolutely. I mean, when we put out that last record, Comfort Distraction, I was that was bad times in my head. And when we toured with you guys and Narwhals, that, mm. you know, like that was that was awesome, first of all. That was a that was a killer tour. I, I had It was hard though. It was hard, but I was I should have been in a different headspace. I was in a very mm. very uh I was in a very bad spot then. And uh, I don't know if I've ever talked to you about that, but that was, that was really rough. And I'm 
sorry about that because I feel like I came off pretty rough that whole tour, like the grumpy old man, even though I didn't want to be, you know. I feel exactly the same. I feel that way about so many tours. Don't apologize. Yeah, it's just it was it was a cool experience though, like that that tour, and it, you know, it was just it was just rough in my head, but. Um, yeah, that whole record cycle, I would say was pretty short for us. We did like one full us tour and then did that one with you guys. And then we went down to Mexico for something really quick, like, you know, a five day trip and it was beautiful and fun. And for the most part, like all the shows on that tour were pretty cool. You know, of course there's some duds every once in a while, but it's just, it is what it is. And after that, it was pretty obvious that there was not a whole lot of gas left in the tank, you know, for the moment momentum of the band at that point. And like, I just knew I couldn't keep touring like that. I I wasn't happy. Like it wasn't, you know, I should have been happy that that tour we did with you guys were, (laughs) that should have been a a very happy experience um, on paper, you know, but I needed to get my head straight. So we took some time off and I worked, um, I worked at a a brunch restaurant in Portland for like six years and uh, just did a totally different lifestyle, you know, than being a touring band. And it was really cool and really necessary. You got to remember that we're still young and like, it feels like we've experienced, you know, anyone who's in their twenties might feel like they've experienced so much and you can go through a bad breakup or a family thing or a friend thing or anything and I think it's so easy to feel like giving up and remembering that there's so much left to do and it's never too late to change those two things I think have helped me you know especially the the second bit you know it's never too late to change and try something new dude it's never too late to change and and like just it's you can never stop learning that's that's the thing that's really been i i try to like tell myself every day like, you know you just gotta don't be afraid of like learning something new and having to change your perspective on the world you know um mm. that's that's gotta always keep going because and if more people did that we'd be in a way less of a tight spot you know and it's hard to get to that point especially when it, earlier on in your musical career you know, you kind of, you, you know, you made your own luck and did something pretty cool pretty early on. That's always going to be tough to follow. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, we got so lucky. We got to do so many cool things. Uh, you know, when I think about it, we were from this tiny ass town in Oregon where we had literally one stoplight, you know, and and we made it out of there. And got to go do some awesome things together. Josh and I graduated together in the year 2000 and uh, never went to college or, you know, university or anything like that. We just went straight out on tour. And so, yeah, we got really fucking lucky. And it is hard to come back after time off and, like, wonder if anybody is still interested, you know. Uh, or, Or wondering if we can even still make make a good record you know like we something that we really are proud of but you know at this point josh is such a pro when it comes to (laughs) all things music he he wouldn't let us put out a bad record you know 
So. It's good to have that trust. It is, dude. I mean, I've been writing songs with him since we were 14 or 15. So it's... Uh, and Adam's been playing bass with us in one form or the, or the other since we were all teenagers or early 20s. So it's like, yeah, there's a lot of trust there. And, and getting back together to make this record honestly was the easiest record to make than out of all of them as far as i'm concerned we um i I felt i had like a lot more support from those guys uh lyrically you know like when i was writing lyrics and just just in all aspects you know i would bring a verse and a chorus to practice and then uh we would really fucking hammer those parts out for days or months if we needed to and and it was it was cool. It was a really fun process this time around. So lyrically speaking, um, it's it's pretty easy to get. I, I feel like it's pretty common for everyone to kind of get into their own routine and something that works one time doesn't necessarily the work next time. Do you know what I mean? And that can, I can, you know, that can be like a frustrating process. What, what's your kind of, what's the last decade and a half been like for you in terms of writing lyrics and how easy it comes or how hard it comes. Uh, if it, I think if lyrics came easier to me, we would have a lot more songs. You know what I mean? Like we don't have, I don't have a bunch of songs sitting around, uh, you know, <laughs> like I just have the ones that most people hear. And it's, uh, it's because yeah, lyrics are fucking difficult. I've always had a really hard time. Um, I really want to, you know, sometimes they come really easily. Sometimes one line will come and then I just build around that for a, a song. Mm. That's usually what, what happens. Um, usually it's just like a line that I like we'll, and I'll build around that and I'll grab a melody and a guitar after. Sometimes the lyrics come very, you know, when I'm in the studio, like very last. So it's something that you're so good at is the melodies is the vocal melodies. You've got like a real specific style that it just kind of, it, it sits in the pocket is the phrase I feel like producers would say. Oh, thank you, man. I mean, melody is, is what I go after first if I can. Yeah. That's, that's always uh, really important. That's what catches me and attracts me to songs usually. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you like driving and writing or is it like getting the public transport? Like when do you find yourself? Are you are you a 3 a.m. ideas person? No, I a lot of especially when I, you know, think back to our first record and um, a lot of ideas come when I'm at work, when I'm doing something, you know, when I'm like just making rolling out pizza dough or like you're being incredibly on brand here, Ty. (laughs) I'm not, you know, and I'm not like. Uh, when I'm not listening to music, when I'm just zoning out thinking of something else, I could usually a melody will pop into my head then. And then it's a pain in the ass because I have to either try to remember it or hum it into my, you know, voice memos on my phone. So I don't forget it for later. It's so funny. Ideas do come just when you're not thinking about anything at all. And you try to get back to that point and you can't, if you try, if you try, it doesn't work sometimes, you know? No, no, there's a, a lot of lost ideas floating out out there. And what's cool though, is with having an iPhone in your pocket, like you can, when you can record those ideas, I have, I have like hundreds of just little melodic clips in my phone of me humming while I'm driving or something. And yeah. 
And I did revisit a few of those to make this record for sure. And it worked out. It's pretty, it's pretty sweet to be able to have that resource nowadays. I'm pretty unembarrassed of walking home in the nighttime and just kind of singing into my phone and not really caring who hears. <laughs> That's good. That's good, man, because you don't want to lose those ideas. This sucks, but it was a good idea. And I think you got to like, you got to try, you got to push yourself out of something, you know, get yourself out of the comfort zone, you know, what, are, what stereotypical bollocks, but. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, usually I am not comfortable when I'm at work. <laughs> I'm usually fucking, I'm usually uh, pretty miserable. So I'm like, oh fuck, here we go. So when you, when you started working at the brunch place, uh, you know, when, when, when Broadway calls were taking that time off and, and you were going through, you went through a bad time. Was that a, was, was that a dip that came back up pretty quickly? I mean, how long were you kind of feeling like in what kind of sense were you feeling bad? I was very depressed. I think in, in, you know, in the sense of where things that should be making me happy weren't on a very, you know, on a daily basis in the, you know, going back to that, that tour, that's a great example of it. You know, it should be when I'm hanging out with my friends in Rome playing a cool show that I didn't expect anybody to be at, you know, and it's amazing. But then I just down two bottles of wine that night, not really in celebration. I tell myself it was because of celebration, but it was really just cause like, fuck, I just want to go to sleep. You know what I mean? So it's like, so it was just that, that, it's depression and I, I, it didn't, you know, it doesn't go away. Um, I still feel it now. It's just during those years away <clears throat> when I could focus on going, you know, sleeping in the same bed every night and uh, going, having more of a routine than being on tour. Um, I took the time to like go talk to a therapist and, and just work some, a lot of stuff out that, needed to be talked out and uh that was awesome and you know That's just great. just focusing on on health in general mental and physical because definitely treat my body like shit while i'm on tour so yeah and those are two opposite worlds aren't they like i'm the same dude I, since i stopped touring i loved getting the jobs i loved getting fired from those jobs <laughs> i loved getting more jobs you know i loved fucking up at home having a place that's not too expensive and hanging out with friends and you know, I think one of the biggest things for me was being like, nah, I don't want to go out tonight. Yeah, for sure. Having the, having the freedom to say that. So nice. It's so nice. And, you know, when I started working at that brunch spot in Portland, it, it, I found like a whole new like set of friends in Portland, which is not something I ever expected to happen. You know, you get to that mm. kind of point where you kind of think you just know everybody you're ever going to know, you know? And, and, uh, that wasn't the case. And that was a big eye opener too, you know, because I was like, damn, this is so great because I'm meeting a lot of different kinds of people that I'm not exposed to at pop punk shows, you know? And, uh, no, it was, it was really good. It was really good time away. And I know Josh and Adam did the same thing as far as they just focused on, you know, they have families and they have, they have a lot. That's priority, you know, like families first always. So, it was a really good time for everybody the last few years. I wonder if any of those feelings come from like, so you start Broadway calls after your last, you know, the hardcore band before that. The thing does really well. You completely, you're, you as a person, you're synonymous with your band. Like that's your identity. And then yeah. 
when that starts being something that's not fulfilling, that's confusing. For sure. Yeah. That was part of a huge part of like why I was like just spiraling downward. I was like, this doesn't feel like, uh, you know, I don't, I didn't know where I was supposed to be. I didn't know where I was going. Yeah. A lot of uncertainty at that, at that time. Hanging out in Portland. I mean, everyone knows it as I've never been there, but I've seen Portlandia, um, (laughs) which I feel like you probably hate me for saying that right now, but it, it feels like, a, you know, a town of opportunity in terms of creativity. Uh, yeah, for sure. There is a lot. Um, there was, you know, up until this year, of course, there, there was a lot of venues. There was so many different scenes. There were so many different punk scenes, you know, which was awesome. There was like, there was just punk and hardcore scenes that I didn't even know about. Um, and it was, it was great to, you know, discover those, it's it's funny. It's the same for me in London. There's there's a bunch of, you know, crusty scenes. Even on my road, there's a squat where there are, there are gigs happening, and I've discovered bands who've been around for ages, and I've just heard about them last year. Yeah, and you know, it's like this is cool. Fuck yeah, you know, you feel a bit feel eighteen again, and being like, what is this strange, exciting, new world? Absolutely, dude. I still get excited about new hardcore bands if they are, uh, you know, something new and exciting. And but there's all kinds of other punk and weird indie band stuff that, that happens that's uh exciting and happen and it's cool it's a cool city it's just um there there's not a lot of all ages venues you gotta you just gotta play 21 up shows but that's right that's just what it is there's the cool the cool a lot of the cool venues are gone that we grew up with have you bumped into hutch harris yet i i used to serve him he used to come into my oh, restaurant yeah, and say, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did he know Broadway calls? Did you did you chat? No, no, I never I never tried to talk to him about band stuff. I just I just poured his coffee. Because <laughs> they're kind of one of those funny bands, because they kind of had a from a British point of view perspective, they're kind of they're kind of on their own. I mean they've got the sub pop vibe, of course, but they're kind of on their own in terms of you know, scenes, I suppose. I agree. Yeah. They uh they they did their own thing whenever they wanted to. They would play a show in Portland and it would be Sometimes it'd be massive and sometimes it would be like just a, a couple hundred people. It was weird. They they did kind of go through their own like phases, I think, depending on what record they were promoting at the time. You know what I mean? Um, mm. But but yeah, they I loved the Thermals. They were a great band. This new record. I mean, did you kind of loop back to did you go away from pop punk for for a few years in those six years? As far as listening to or, or writing or listening to and writing and kind of like I sort of mentioned earlier, you know, how, how much you identify with your band. Um, yeah, yeah. Did, you, did you step away from that for a bit? I guess so. Um, you know, I didn't write anything. So I didn't write any Broadway call songs for years, probably three years. I didn't. Wow. I didn't. Yeah. And so. And it's got to be stressed that that is such a long time, given your whole half your life before that yeah given the history of the band for sure and yeah and exactly it's just all musical history in my life um i just didn't really but i i was still involved with music i just didn't write any like lyrics so josh and adam during that time they started a country band called wonderly road and it was it's so good like it, it, they started with um robert who's josh's brother who played second guitar on first broadway calls record um, so it's like those, those guys and Adam plays bass in it too. So like they, 
have this killer country band. They recorded a whole record. It's not out yet. I don't know when it will be. They have a single out you can find on Spotify. Um, Great. Really good shit. And they're called Wonderly Road. And then so I joined, a, well, I just started a band with some of my best friends from Portland. And we were a hardcore band. I just played guitar. And we were called Dead Tropics. And we have an EP that we recorded with Jack from Comadre. And uh, I love that band. Yeah, it was awesome. The Comadre is so good. I was just listening to them last night. That's my main memory from the first fest that I went to. Because I saw oh, them yeah. in one of the garages and then kind of bumped into them, two of the guys in that band, and just had this wild... You know when you're 18 and you have this wild night with like people you don't know? Yeah. That was one of, that was one of my nights like that. That's what the fest was all about. <laughs> that's, that's like what I remember about like the first few fests. It's just like... Who the hell am I hanging out with right now? I don't. It doesn't really matter, I guess. <laughs> I'm having a good time. And so, it, so it came together quite quickly. This record, then, in a sense, yeah. Josh started talking to me about writing songs again a few years ago, and I think when I look back through my phone to like the first idea demo that I had recorded of a song that ended up being on this record, it's probably from like 2016, somewhere in there. Um, but we didn't really start writing hard until like last early last year, I'd say like early 2019, late 2018. We, we started getting together more regularly. And uh, like last year, 2019, I quit that brunch spot the first day of the year. Pretty much. I had been there for six years. I moved way out of town with my wife and you're married. I got married. Yeah, got married. Congratulations. Thank you very much. When did that happen? Uh, that happened two years ago. I met my wife while I was serving her brunch. And and then like I and then I saw her at a show that my friends were playing at a bar that doesn't exist anymore and had a conversation with her there. And that was like the first. So I like met her because I was working. You know what I mean? So I have no regrets of <laughs> taking time off of this band and going to find a job at this brunch spot, you know? Right. And, uh, and so I quit that job because I had just been there for a long time. We wanted to move out of town. We did. And, uh, I ended up becoming a, I don't know what you call them over there, but we call them like a mail carrier, or a mailman or a post. Yeah. Posty. Post. Okay. Yeah. Posty. Yeah. Okay. I, I wish we were called posties over here, but <laughs> I did that for most of last year. And, that was rough. That was a crazy eye-opening experience. That was a really difficult job. Have you read Post Office? Yeah, I read it when I was a lot younger, and I want to reread it now that I've that I've lived it for nine months. <laughs> but that's a job of routine, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's like sometimes a six day a week job, and you're there at the post office at six or seven a.m. depending on when the the manager, which is called a postmaster, which is really funny. The postmaster tells, it runs the post office and tells you when to be there. That's the Gmail. That's the Gmail knockback thing. Isn't it? <laughs> 404 postmaster says, fuck you, wrong email address. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they, they uh, tell you when to show up, you get there. And in, like the first four hours, you're in a little like cubicle sorting mail. Basically, you have all this mail stacked up. And you kind of put it in order of the route that you deliver it on in these little tiny 
slots in this cubicle that surrounds you. You once that all the mail is up, then you take all the mail down from these slots, organized in these tubs in the order that you're going to deliver them on your route. And then you load up your truck and you get out on the road and you go do that for like the rest of your day, which sometimes can be depending on how much mail you have. It's like your day starts at 6 a.m. And sometimes my days ended at like 9 p.m. Because what? Yeah, because I it's pretty fucked, you know, like when you I don't know, I we had a lot of problems in my post office. And that's why I ended up quitting. I knew that one of the reasons I knew that I wouldn't be able to tour or promote this record at all if I was working there because they weren't ever going to give me any kind of time off. Um, and so I just ended up getting out of there for that reason. But a lot of it was also just because it's pretty rough. There's a lot of problems at my office that weren't getting solved incompetent, just like weird, like one of my coworkers and I were getting arrested for like stealing mail and like doing all this weird stuff <laughs> because we deliver people's pills, you know, like that's a big problem. Like meds. No get stolen. Yeah. And so you Americans and your pharmaceuticals. I know. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I would, I would deliver all kinds of crazy shit. I would deliver uh right-wing propaganda on a daily basis, like crazy stuff from the Trump administration to these you know, so I knew everybody on my route that was just like a wild right wing nut, you know, and then I knew, uh, you know, like was oh, I've delivered live chickens, like live chicken, <laughs> little baby chickens oh. that I've delivered ashes, like people's cremated ashes. <laughs> you know, It's just like wow. all kinds of wild stuff. It's a crazy job. And I, so I, but I, around August of last year, I, we had our recording scheduled for November and I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. So I quit last August. Speaking of post, have you ever, have you ever delved into the dark web? No, no, I don't. I re- I've read some articles about what it is and like, you know, it's like where like hitmen advertise themselves and shit, but I don't know even right. how to access it. I'm intrigued more into the, you know, more into the fun side, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm afraid of like, accidentally accessing it and then just getting an FBI raid at my door. Well, you know what happens every time that I, so I've tried to figure it out twice. And obviously the first thing is to get a VPN, which are like completely legal things, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Do the firewall so that you can, no one can trace wherever you are, IP address sorted, everything else sorted. And I keep on both times. I did the thing where I signed up to a free for a week, but, you know, put in your card details, obviously, because you're totally going to forget. And then you get charged 30, 40 quid. Happened to me both times. <laughs> Many yeah. times did I actually succeed in accessing the dark web. <laughs> so I was just getting VPN money. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe the government has all of it. Have, have you considered, I mean, it's all the rage, microdosing? Yeah, definitely. I don't know how to go about starting to do that. I haven't really looked into it, you know, but I would, I would like to, I mean, I just need, I guess I would, I mean, okay. So we've been taking this little dropper, like a, it's like a, I don't know how to explain it. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's a mushroom oil. Yeah, exactly. You just put it under your tongue and, um, been doing that every day for a while now and that's been pretty great but you know you don't feel like you're doing drugs at all and Mm. it's just like you're 
it's just like a morning routine. You just do it before you start, before you drink your coffee or, you know, tea right. if it was over there. But you just do that. And then, um, I don't know. I think it, I hope it helps. We're doing it, you know, so. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I just, I've never really thought of it as microdosing, I guess, but I guess that's what it is. You wouldn't know how you felt otherwise. I mean, that's kind of one of the fucked up things about being a human is that you can't really tell how exactly you feel right now. Yeah. (laughs) You're just comparing, you're just comparing your, yeah, you're just comparing everything to everything you felt before. Yeah. And that's hard when you, when you're at, when your kind of job is creating. It is. It's, uh, I was nervous about if anybody was going to give a shit we were writing songs. Well, that was one of the reasons I didn't write songs for a long time. It was because I just felt like, what's the point? The world is ending. The world's screwed. Like, you know, especially in the last couple of years, I was just like, damn, like, what is the point of making a Broadway calls record? You know? And, and I think that, uh, that Josh talked me out of that basically. This and you know, listening to other people's conversations. I remember Tom from the Menzingers and Matt from the Sidekicks on Tom's podcast had a great conversation about how there is room for people. You know, there there's room for bands. I just kind of felt like there wasn't really room for ba- bands like ours anymore. I just I was like, we we don't need to be putting out music right now. But but I got talked out of that, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. Do you know what I think applies to that so hard is, to quote Tim Armstrong, it starts and ends with you. Or is it Lars that sings that? Because it (laughs) it really does. If you do something from excitement, other people get excited by it. Right, right. And that's hard. Don't get me wrong. That's fucking hard. It's, It's like pretty tough to get yourself into that spot, especially, you know, when you've had, when you, when you're down the road of what you're doing. Cause one of the things about punk rock is that it's like, it's instant. Absolutely. Josh, uh, you know, he, he basically was like, what, why wouldn't we do this? You know, like, why aren't we doing this? We know how to, we're good at it and it's fun. And like, if people don't want to hear it, so what? But some people might, you know, and we want to do it. So might as well make it happen. I wonder if the foundation of routine and being at home could, you know, help you take stock and kind of, make your aim true in terms of that. Yeah. I think, I think there was a combination of, you know, when we took this time away, Josh really focused on becoming a better songwriter. Like he, he had never really written a song for him to sing. You know what I mean? He's never, he's always been with me when we arrange songs, we always arrange songs together, but he started writing his own tunes. And I think that that, helped give me a boost of confidence because I knew that he was going to be looking at the way I was writing songs differently. Now, you know, he knew what that, what that kind of weird pressure was to bring lyrics around and like have your lyrics judged by people. And, uh, and now that he knew what that was all about and he had experience in that, like it made this songwriting uh, process a lot easier and, and fun for me. Did you find yourself wanting to impress him? I definitely got motivated by it for sure. Yeah, I definitely am like, I was like, okay, especially after we did like one or two songs or two or three songs, you know, 
then I was like, oh yeah, we, we know how to do this. Like, let's fucking go. And, and so we did for the next couple of years. And, and, um, that's what we, you know, that's what we got here. It's so cool to hear you talk about it. Well, thank you. It's fun. To, it's fun to talk about. I mean, it's fun to talk about with you and people we know because it's like, you know, it, we've known you for a long time and it's, this is, this, these are conversations we would be having if we weren't all locked up right now, you know, we would be hanging out somewhere and, and uh, writing songs is the reason why we hang out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a huge deal to, to get back into the musical world because yeah, it's like, I like exactly. I'm talking with you. I'm talking with people I haven't talked to for a long time. And these are special friendships that need to be, need to be rekindled from time to time, you know? Yeah. It's, it's uh, it did suck to like step away for that long and kind of just know what it's like to be out hanging out and, and having a good time with friends and not doing it. That was, you know, there, there is both sides of it for sure. Well, Ty, thanks so much. It's been a really nice chat. Giles, thank you. This has been awesome. I appreciate it. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around like a blue ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. Every bleeding minute I've been on the go. Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. This is a Mighty Moon Media podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.